coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. As always, I'm Tyler, and with me today... For the second time this week is my co-host Curtis. We were able to steal him away from his law school duties for a couple of minutes today. And today we are going to talk some recruiting. It's been a minute since we've had like a recruiting-focused episode, and that's what we have for you guys today. With the February signing period now less than two weeks away, we are getting closer and closer to putting a bow on this 2020 class, and we are already full steam ahead with the 2021 class, landing a huge commitment for that cycle earlier this week, which we will definitely cover here in just a second. So... There are a multitude of developments to discuss with both of these classes, the 2020 and 2021 class, and we will get into all of that in just a minute or two. But first, I do want to again sincerely thank all of you who have given the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts in the past week or so, and we want to especially thank all of you who have taken the time to leave some very kind reviews, including J Dog 777 I think Low1188, Silverbridges88, I'm going to butcher this name, but G. Baldy, Balday, uh, and Tampa Dog. We, we really do, all of you guys, whether it's you've left a rating or a review, we really do appreciate all of the support that you guys uh, have given us here. And we uh, want you to know you are genuinely helping us out because we are back to five-star status on Apple Podcasts uh, after a few kind of random one-star reviews, which is okay. Everyone's got their own opinion. That's fine. Um, but we really appreciate all of you that do enjoy the show and have let us know that on Apple Podcast uh, because uh, getting back to five-star status, that's all because of you guys. So thank you for that. And if you haven't put a rating in on Apple Podcast yet, no worries. I know. Trust me. I know. Life is crazy. And y'all have a million different things going on like we all do. But if you do happen to get a quick second and throw in a rating and or a review, that would be incredible. And we do thank you in advance for that. All right, Kurt, let's start with what I'd say is probably the, I mean, almost certainly the biggest news of the week to this point. Things can happen. Things keep flying at us at a record pace, it seems like, over the past month or so. But to this point, I think the biggest news of the week would, would certainly be the commitment of the number one ranked quarterback from the 2021 class, consensus five-star prospect Brock Vandegrift from Prince Avenue Christian here, not too far from Athens. Now, he initially, and most of you guys know this, but just for those who might not be as familiar with it, uh, Vandegrift initially committed to Oklahoma back in June of 2019, so this past summer. We recruited him heavily back then. It was down to us in Oklahoma. He ends up going to Oklahoma, obviously, with the track record that they have with producing uh, high-level quarterbacks, putting them high in the NFL draft. So that made sense. Uh, but since that point, he has decommitted. He reopened his recruitment on the first day of the new year. It was actually with New Orleans when I saw that, and there was more than one fist pump when I saw that news. And then fast forward 20 days to Wednesday of this week, and boom, he commits to the G. So, Curtis, let me ask you pretty simply here, man. How big of a recruiting win was this for Kirby Smart and company to be able to keep Brock Vandegrift at home? Um, I think it's a huge win. I think the biggest thing about it um, is I think he's the type person with the personality and everything he is that not only is he a great talent that's going to do some big things for us. I think that he – like I'll get into it in a little bit. But the, just the fact that you've got your quarterback now and you can build your class where um, one of the things that hurt a little bit with Carson Beck is 
where he was located. Um, it was hard for him to kind of really get in touch with people. Um, just a lot of the things about being a hometown guy, you can, you can start pitching that hometown feel like Jake did with a lot of the people around him. And I think that's what Vandegrift has. I think it's very attractive. One thing that's been mentioned a lot is like, say we get some big time receivers or anything like any athlete really to come visit the campus, the kid can make the 10 minute drive, come out there, throw with them, show his arm off and be like, Hey, you're going to play with me. And I just think it, I think that it's just a huge, huge, piece of the puzzle to have him in building this next great class of Kirby Smart oh no doubt absolutely about it that's a fantastic point I, I feel the exact same way and just to speak on giving you evidence of him just come, being able to come up to Athens whenever he wants come over to the to the campus you're exactly right he visited this past weekend on his own without his family to meet coach Munkin and kind of get a feel feel for the campus um, and afterwards he said obviously he was thinking about committing but he just wanted to make sure that he he kind of vibed with with Munkin and, and felt good there and they kind of hit it off and of course they did and then he comes right back the next day on Monday with the rest of his family and then he he commits uh shortly after that a couple days after that so um you know th- that that's evidence right there that's already happening and now you're exactly right well the junior day is coming up and now that we're really kind of going uh full full blow into the, the 2021 class guys are going to be on campus and he can be there. I don't want to say anytime he wants because he has responsibilities going on with, with Prince Avenue, but he can be up there a lot. Even if he just drops in for an hour or two, you know? Yeah. I mean, because it's such a close drive, it's not out of the way for him to come by for an hour. Um, yep. He could still get his workout in, but, but up there. Yeah, and the way these official visits work, and even the the, the uh, unofficial visits, they're they're very detail oriented. There's a there's an uh, agenda, there's an itinerary for what these guys are doing. So like their their day is pretty full a lot of the time. So he can just come in, uh, come up to campus for, for an hour or two, and then maybe have a little downtime, talk to these guys, and just start building relationships. And you're right, Kurt, that is so huge in building another elite class. And you can't over you can't overstate how important it is to get these quarterbacks, especially a high level quarterback like like Vanderbilt, committed early and to be the centerpiece of that class and kind of be the uh, the piece that kind of attracts other high level prospects to campus. I mean, you re- you really can't overstate that kind of stuff. Uh, Clemson, we saw that with a, with a guy that got this year. That's one of the reasons they were able to. And now, obviously, Clemson's just rolling, but that, that certainly helps to have a high level quarterback that people know. And um, and you kind of just build around that. So I love that fact. And, and here's what I would say to this, because there were some questions like, man, there's not any class separation between him and Carson Beck. Do we really want to bring in another high-level guy like this and potentially run off Carson Beck? And I guess my response to that, Kurt, would be, like, you just got to bring in the best talent, right? Well, and here's my thing. You know, not only that, but a lot of people are talking about Gunner Stockton. But the thing yeah. is, like, you can't plan for the future because what happens if you don't go all, all out for him, mm-hmm. you miss out on him, and then you miss out on Stockton. All of a sudden, yeah. you're not – you're not yeah you don't have a lot of studs and then thing is with uh beck too i mean the thing is all all bets are off when it comes time more than likely not this season but in the 2021 season um when vandegrift's a freshman because more than likely newman if i had to guess you know if I, just off the top of my head will probably be the quarterback next year so yeah. coming in next or that next season it's an open game yeah beck will have a season ahead of him under the system but Vandergriff's going to be able to visit a lot, sit in on meetings, so it's not like he's going to not know the offense. And I think that's one of the biggest things is class separation at that point doesn't matter as much because it's not like where Jake was the established quarterback and Justin or someone was trying to come in there and compete with him. There's no established quarterback when that time comes. More than yeah, more. absolutely. That's a great point. I, I imagine, I mean, we'll see, but I, I imagine if, if it doesn't conflict with Prince Avenue's spring practice dates, he'll be up here 
a, a number of spring practices. Like you said, sitting in uh, on meetings, looking at film, that kind of stuff, watching practice, getting a feel for things. So no, he's not going to be a member of the team, but I, I think you're right. He will be around more than your typical quarterback would be and be able to pick up things because he's just so close. I mean, he might as well say he lives in Athens. He actually might live in Athens. I don't know exactly yeah, he where he lives. Athens as his home. So I mean, Yeah, he might live in the Epps Bridge area, which technically still is, is the city of Athens, but like a Coney County over there. But it's uh, he's still, regardless, is very, very close. Um, so that that's certainly a factor there. I just like you can't like if if like the number one quarterback in America from right down the street wants to come commit to your university, like you can't turn him away. Like you have to have you have an open competition and let the best man win. Kirby's all he's always said this from day one. It's about competition. And Carson Beck, I think, can be really good potentially, but you want to have a guy somebody there to push push you want these guys to push each other and let the best man win. Iron sharpen iron, as Kirby and many other people always say. Um, but you've got if, he, if he's wants to come here, of course you take him. And I know some people were upset because there are there is a segment out there that might have preferred Caleb Williams from Washington D.C. as a guy that we were that we were recruiting really heavily, especially after Vandegrift committed to Oklahoma. And he's a high level quarterback too. He's the number two quarterback in the country. A little bit more of a dual threat guy, although Vandegrift is certainly athletic in his own right. And so there's some people that that want us to go in that direction. But here's what I would say to that, Curse. Like even if. Like let's say maybe our staff preferred slightly preferred Williams. If that, and I don't know if that's the case at all. Uh, but let's just say if, like for the purpose of this argument, if that happened to be the case, is the gap between those two so big that you you tell Vandergriff, oh, I'm sorry, man, hold off on your commitment. We're gonna see what Caleb Williams says first. Do you do that? Not at all. When you when you have a bird in hand from someone that's so close to you, why turn it down? Because we've talked about all the positives. And I still think Vandegrift's – and it's not like we're – and the thing is, like, it's not like we're settling either. Like, you're taking a five-star so, quarterback. Yeah, he's so good. And One he's, of the he's top actually two quarterbacks higher than in the nation. Right now. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, I mean, and Williams, you don't know where to go. He, like, everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion to commit to LSU. Then all of a sudden, Brady leaves. And now he's kind of taking a step back. Like, his his commitment timetable is nowhere near what it is with Vandegrift. And the thing that – and I think that helps us in the fact, too, because now Vandegrift's going to go ahead and get started on recruiting – where other teams are still trying to land their quarterback, it's hard to build, you know, wide receivers and running back pieces when you don't have the, the main puzzle piece in your quarterback in place. Where now we have that, then we can move on to the skill players and, and show them what we have. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I do want to quickly go back before we move on, go back to a guy you mentioned a few minutes ago, Gunnar Stockton. I think a lot a lot of people listening probably know who he who that who he is and they have heard that name. But if in case you haven't, Gunnar Stockton is a he's probably going to be the number one quarterback in the 2022 class. So he's going to, he's a rising junior right now, not a rising senior. Uh, and so what Curtis, you were, you're, you're alluding to there and you're exactly right. Like, yeah, it'd be great to get him, but you don't know how that's going to play out. If Vandegrift wants to commit now, you take the man right now, regardless of class separation, because you have this elite quarterback prospect that wants to come here. And, and maybe we still land Stockton. I, 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 would you say that landing Vandegrift right now uh, after year after you land Beck, does that hurt our chances with Gunnar Stockton in 2022? Um, I definitely imagined it. But the thing is, like, right now there's a big, you know, unknown because, let's be honest, he's, it's more than likely he's going to follow Mike Bobo if Mike Bobo yeah. stays in the Southeastern Conference. Because he, you know, and, and the reason South Carolina is in this is Mike Bobo, obviously, but he also grew up a big uh, Connor Shaw fan, actually, uh, when Connor Shaw was at South Carolina. Because Stockton is kind of a mobile quarterback, kind of models his game after that to a degree. So there's there's just that kind of that connection there. Uh, but you're exactly right, Kurt. Like we don't like South Carolina is a big contender for his services, which is crazy to say because it's South Carolina, but they are for whatever reason, Bobo and and Connor Shaw and all that. But there's like you mentioned there, there's no 
there's no guarantee that Will Muschamp and that entire staff's going to be there after next year. There's no guarantee. No, there, there's absolutely no guarantee. But the thing is, like, like we all say, when you got a bird in the hand, do you really yeah. do you want to take any chance? And I, yeah. st- and I, in my opinion, I think Vandegrift is someone that has the skill set that could actually lead us to a national championship because there's certain parts about his game that where I actually think that he's better suited for the college game than say what Jake Fromm was. Okay, and let's 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 talk about that skill set a little bit here. Uh, I think. The big question you need to answer when you're talking about the number one quarterback in any given class, and who knows, he might not end up being the number one quarterback when it's all said and done, but right now he is. And he's, I think he has a very good chance of staying there as well. He's a really good player, obviously. But the big question you have to answer, I think, is, is how does he compare to the best quarterbacks in college football like recently in, in the recent past that are leading their team to national titles? Because that is, that, let's be real, fair or not, that's the expectation for quarterbacks that are that highly rated. You expect them to come in, start right away, and lead your team to championships. So, Curtis, I know this is a projection for sure, and it's really tough to say without actually seeing him on the field at the college level. But in your estimation, if you had to project it, how close in ability is he to the Trevor Lawrence's and the Deshaun Watson's even a couple of years ago and the uh, and the Justin Fields of of years past? Like I'm, I'm talking about coming out of high school. Like where does he compare to those guys when they were coming out of high school? I actually, the thing is, he's not like any cert set you know certain one of them. Um, he doesn't have the arm of say Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have the mobility of Justin Fields. To me, if I had to pick someone who he reminds me of. And it's crazy he's got – I mean, we know – we've all heard his story, but he reminds me of a Joe Burrow. Um, yes. He's like an Aaron Rodgers, but um, in the skill set where he's got a strong arm, he's very good at throwing on the run. And highly his mobility accurate. Is, yeah, he's highly accurate, and his mobility is perfect in the spot where he's not going to run like Justin Fields, but he's able to extend the drives and do things well enough to keep your offense going and extend the play and allow people to get open. He's been clocked, if you, if you guys are wanting numbers, I know some people are numbers guys, which is great. Uh, he is clocked in the in the high 4-6 range as a junior in high school, so he will be faster by the time if he ends up being our starter at some point. He'll be faster. So I'd say he'll be like, he potentially in the high 4-5s to mid to low maybe 4-6s, which is – that's about – I mean, I, I maybe even – just right around Joe Burrow's speed. Is that fair? Yeah, um, and that, like, that's why I think that's who he's more like. Yeah, and, and he's the kind of guy that can extend the plays. He can escape the pocket. He, he like you mentioned, he's a he throws really, really well on the run, which I think is is a great skill. He's got great touch too. Great touch, and, and he can make uh, he can throw the ball from a variety of arm angles. He can he he makes all the different types of throws. Like you mentioned, he can put the he can put touch on it when necessary. He can fit it in over a defender. He can fit it inside a tight window. And he does not have a Trevor Lawrence arm, even a Justin Fields arm. I will agree with you there. But it's not like he has a weak arm. I think his arm is stronger than a little bit stronger than J- than Jake Fromm's was or is. I agree with that. And I think yeah. he's a lot more accurate actually. I, I, I coming out of high school, yeah, I think I can I can I could I could I could agree with that. Uh, but he makes every throw you need to make. Uh, you can, he, I've seen him throw just about the entire route tree. Uh, again, like I said, throw different arm angles, all those kind of things. And he, he, you can actually, you still can run some quarterback run game. You can run some quarterback I mean, draw. The guy ran for over a thousand yards his sophomore yeah. year. He just got injured. And yeah, like he said, if you watch his interview um, that Rivals posted, um, you know where he talked about where Monken doesn't want him to run as much and take the hits. But that they will use his mobility, and, and that's what I say. Like he, he may do some a few quarterback keepers, but he, a lot of his thing is going to be moving him in the pocket, trying to you know escape pressures and things like that. He just teach guys, and if you use him, and, and you can use him in the run game, just not consistent. I mean, he could actually be like a Connor Shaw, right? You don't, you just essentially don't. I think a, a better version of Connor Shaw, but yes, that kind of mobility. I know is what you're talking about. Uh, but like you just you, you don't necessarily build an offense around his ability to run, but you can utilize it as a 
weapon in your offense at yeah, times. You know it's going to be there if down. it comes. Yeah, and you just teach him how to get down, which, you know, college quarterbacks are getting more proficient at that by the year. Uh, Burrow was actually really good at that. I know we keep talking about, about him there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen him make all the throws on the route tree. Uh, you mentioned the injury. Yeah, he actually he essentially played all of his uh, his junior season this past year on a broken femur. Uh, he he played eight. He ended up only playing eight games this year. Um, so, it, it, but even even with uh, coming back from a broken femur, broken leg, he was still mobile and able to run. And when you watch his junior tape and you see him doing the, being able to move that well with in, in factoring in the injury, you start to think about what he's going to look like this coming year when he's fully recovered that injury. He doesn't have to worry about that at all. Uh, this guy is absolutely a great athlete. Uh, and can just he, he he's the kind of guy that we're moving towards in college football, right? Guy, and look at not just not just uh, Joe Burrow, but even even Trevor Lawrence. Go back to the uh, the semifinal game against Ohio State. His legs, he did more with his legs to win that game than he did with his arm. Uh, and I think that you could say that Brock Vandegrift is that kind of that level of athlete. Now he's not quite as tall and big as as Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying he's going to be Trevor Lawrence, but I'm saying he can do things with his legs and be athletic. Uh, to make plays, which is what you're seeing Kasha Ball, at least offensively, move to right now. You have to have a guy that can move, extend plays at the very least, and, and pick up some yards, pick up some first downs on his legs when everything is covered. Defense has turned their back to him, and that's exactly what Brock Manigrick can do. It's on just a numbers game. You know, we always talk about how nice it is. And, yeah, I think Kirby's wanting to go t- more towards it. I mean, he's not the, the runner that Caleb Williams is. I'd say Williams is more closer to a Justin sure. Fields. Yeah, I agree. But with that. I think I think that he, if if I really had to pick someone, actually, I would kind of compare Vandergrift to almost like a um, Baker Mayfield because Mayfield could run a little bit bigger version of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, a big, yeah, yeah. More smaller, bigger version. Yeah. And the more I think about it, that's who I could see him as. Yeah, because right now Vandergrift is about six two and a half, right around two hundred pounds. Um, you imagine he's gonna get that frame will grow a little bit more, you know, put on a little more good weight by the time he gets yeah, here. You've seen sure. his, I think his dad's a little bit taller than him still. Yeah, I think he is. Um, and one other thing I want to mention about about Renegrift too that I really really like about him, and you could maybe say the same things about Caleb Williams. I just don't know as much about the kind of person or kid Caleb Williams is. I'm sure he's a great kid. I just don't know as much. I don't have as many connections there. Uh, but obviously I live in Athens and so uh, and I work in the Athens area. I actually work in Athens. Um, but uh I, I know I don't know Brock Vandegrift. I don't know his family. I'm not gonna sit here and say I do. I don't know the kid. But I do know people that know him. And and everyone and, and I, I know some adults that know him and I actually know some some peers his age that know him. And every time I've ever asked them about him, every time his name's ever come up, I've never heard anything but glowing things about Brock Vander, about the kind of kid he is, um, about the kind of competitor he, competitor he is, the work ethic he has. I just, I've never heard a bad word about the kid. Now, that doesn't mean that, that he's a perfect kid, but what I keep hearing about him is he, he's just a winner. He's a guy that goes out there, he outworks people. He's already so talented, but he's got that mentality where he goes and he's just going to outwork you, even though he, um, is uh, even though he's so talented already, a lot of times the guys that are just super talented, they don't work as hard because they don't have to grind as much. It just comes easier. That's just not the case with Vinny Griffin. That's one of the reasons he's so good. So I think you have a lot of the characteristics and the intangibles that made Jake Fromm so good for us. Uh, and one of the reasons I loved him so much, I think you're gonna, we're going to end up seeing a lot of those in Brock Vandergriff as well. But as you said, Curtis, also maybe, not maybe, a, a more physically talented guy than Jake Fromm, right? Yeah. So if you put all that together, I think we have a winner here. I, I really, really do. So do you think that he can end up being like on the tier of a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or, or when he gets into college? Can he be that kind of player? 
Um, he potentially could, uh, but I, th- I, st- I think that he it's could. Tough to say. It's tough to say yeah, right now. I'd be a bit. I still think he's a. Uh, one of the best quarterbacks out there. And I think that he's the guy that could lead us. I'm not, I don't think he's going to put up, you know, the crazy stats or do some of the crazy things that Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields can do per se. But I think that he's the type of quarterback that's can definitely get us to the promised land. I mean, I, I think he has how long Todd Munkin stays here. I, I in that Todd Munkin offense, and we'll see exactly what it looks like, but the Todd Munkin offenses of the recent past where he's been so successful at college, at college level and the NFL, I could see him putting up some big numbers in that offense. Not, not our offense of the past three or four years, but in that offense, like maybe, I don't know. Um, I'll say this. I, I think Trevor Lawrence was a more accomplished and maybe a little more polished quarterback coming out of high school. Lawrence was just so good coming out of high school. But I, I think Vanderbilt now is certainly not quite the athlete that Justin Fields was. I think he's a more polished quarterback right now than Justin Fields was at the, at the same stage. Is that fair? Yeah, I think he definitely is. I mean, you got to remember one thing, one thing that hasn't been talked about enough is he's grown up in football. His dad's his high school football yeah. coach. Um, so that he's one of these guys that's a student of the game. Yeah, he lives it. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. And before we move on to the next topic here, I do want to remind you guys about our good friends at Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe Home Security is like getting commercial grade enterprise level security, but for your own home. Think about the security that Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know that police are going to be on the scene immediately. And that's exactly this kind of security that you get with Simply Safe. Uh, if there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means the cops, they dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. So if you're serious about home security, Simply Safe is kind of a no brainer. You get comprehensive protection for your home. You get outdoor cameras and doorbells to alert you to anyone or anything that's approaching your home. You've got entry, motion, glass break sensors to guard the interior. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon dioxide poisoning, all those things that can threaten your family as well. It's all monitored 24 7 by live security professionals. You can set your system up for yourself if you're one of those do it yourself kind of guys with no tools needed, or if you prefer, you can have Simply Safe's experts simply do it for you. And it's only 50 cents a day with no long term contract to worry about. You can get out of it anytime you want to. All you have to do to get started today is go to simplysafe.com slash overtime to get free shipping on your order plus a 60 day money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. Again, simplysafe.com slash overtime. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Now, I, I do have to say this. I, I really hate to be the one to throw cold water on the party here because I want everyone to celebrate and be happy, right? We got the number one quarterback in the country. This is awesome. Cause to celebrate. But I also want to be even-handed. I don't want to be 100% flat-out homer here. Got to be even-handed as much as possible with our assessment of Brock Vandegrift. So, Curtis, you have to, we have to admit here, he does play in single-A private here in the state of Georgia, which is the lowest or I guess the smallest classification in the state where, let's just be real, man, the competition isn't exactly stellar. So how much does that concern you when you're trying to project how good he could maybe potentially end up being? 
Um, not as much as you could think, because I think one of the big things is he still goes out on the the, the uh, camp circuit and does really well. Um, I mean, if you really looked at it, if you want to go back to even Jake Fromm's time when he was at um, Houston County, um, yeah. you know, they played decent competition. But whenever they played real good competition, like, say, Lee County and things like that, they were abysmal offensively. Um, I think that was one of his worst games of his his year, you know, his career. He got in a lot of trouble in that game. Yeah, I remember that. Watching exactly. That and I think that's yeah. the thing that, I mean, if anytime you play good competition, even if you play at a high level, not everyone's going to be good. Um, but I mean, you do have to think about it and see how it plays into him. But the fact of the matter is, as long as, as long as he still is out there setting himself apart and not playing down to another level and playing up to a standard, then you have to feel good. Yeah. And look, I, I anyone, cause I, I have heard this criticism and say, well, how, do we know how good he is? I get that. I get that. Single A private is not seven A. It's not, it's not six A. It's not five A. It's the lowest classification in the state of Georgia. That's, that is a fair way to look at it. But I think, as always, there's a little bit more context. Because, like, and don't get me wrong, like, there are good players at that level. I don't mean to just completely crap on single A private. There are good players at that level, but it, it's it's true. There's just not near as many good players up and down a roster like you would have in the higher classifications, like you have in 7A and 6A. And, and that you just, you're just not going to have as many good players. That's fair. That's true. But I also say this about him. Uh, in the biggest games that he's played in, at least this past year, certainly, he he showed up big time, man, against the best competition in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, he had a man, great game a, against Eagles Landing, who is practically that, like, I mean, it's it's a joke how how much they dominate that conference, and yet, yeah, I mean, that's one of his better games. In there. Yeah. yeah, I think, it, and they almost they almost pulled off that upset. I think it was like sixty three fifty seven, something crazy like that. And Vandergrift threw for five hundred twenty five yards and six touchdowns in the biggest game of the year. Now they didn't win it, but if it wasn't for Vandergrift, they would have gotten beat by seventy. That any other quarterback on the team playing. Um, so I mean, the the fact that he uh, played that big in that big of a moment against that dominant of a program in in that classification. That tells me a lot right there. He also played really well against Athens Academy in the past, which is another big-time game for them. So, yeah, sure, he does play at a lower level, and there's a lot of players that that, that just have no business even being on the same field with Brock Vandegrift. But in the big-time moments against the teams that are really good and do have a lot of talent, he's played really, really well. I, I think that's big. I think you got to factor that in. And you also have to think about this, too. Yeah, some of the talent that he's going up against is certainly not up to his level. But – he also has lesser talent around him too, right, Kurt? Yeah. Uh, it's like very, he has – yeah, he doesn't have like the best receivers in the country uh, or in the state. He doesn't have the best line. He's out there with lesser talent just like the talent he's going up against. So and if you watch his tape, like you, you – now sometimes there's guys running, running open. They do a good job of scheming over there at Prince Avenue. But a lot of times there's not necessarily guys just running wide open – and he's just kind of hitting them in, you know, with nobody within 20 yards of them. That happens occasionally, like it does anywhere. But there's also plenty of examples of him having to fit balls in a tight windows, looking guys off, doing things. One thing like, he does a good that. job, too, is he's very good on the back shoulder throws. I mean, yeah. and like we've already mentioned, the, the it doesn't matter what level you play at. You still have to be accurate when you're throwing on the run and things like that. And that is one of the best parts of his game. I totally agree. The, the, the number of times you sit there and watch, and I know those are highlights, so those are all the best throws he makes, but there's a, a lot of them where he's just hitting guys flat out in stride and allowing them to continue to run upfield and make plays uh, all throughout the game. So I love that about him. I've actually got a chance to watch him in person a time or two, and uh, I've always came away extraordinarily impressed. In fact, I was like, God damn, man, I wish we would have gotten this guy. I wish he didn't go to Oklahoma. And lo and behold, we actually ended up landing him when it's all said and done. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, – Sure, he does play in a single-A private, but I still think he's 
an extraordinarily talented quarterback that uh, should not be discounted because of that. If you look at all the context there. Uh, Now, the next thing here, Kerr, a lot of people have already anointed Vandegrift as soon as he announced his commitment as the successor to Jamie Newman, right? Number one quarterback. We're all excited. So he's going to be the next guy after Jamie Newman. And then we're all, we'll be great there when 27 national championships, all that. But Carson Beck still might have something to say about that. Obviously we have not seen either one of them play at the college level, but how would you handle or how would you handicap what uh, that eventual quarterback battle heading into the 2021 season? Um, they're very similar quarterbacks in the way that they're kind of mobile and do things to their legs. Um, the big difference, I think Beck's got a bigger arm. Uh, he's a little bit taller, bigger bodied guy. But at this point in time, where they are in their careers, I'll definitely be Vandegrift um, better on his techniques, his um, form, and his accuracy. And I think that's the difference in the two at this point in time. Yeah, I think he's more polished right now. Um, yeah. I do, I do everything I said about the intangibles of Brock Vandegrift. Again, I don't know Carson Beck as much. I don't know anyone who knows Carson Beck, but everything I've heard about him, everything I've read about him, um, it, it's glowing stuff as well. It's him, him being a winner. If you look at his his profile, where uh, he comes in as a sophomore and starts the last couple games of the year, takes over a team. I, I think they had won either one game or no games at that point. He and he reels off I think four out of the last five games. Uh, he reels off victories in those games. He comes in, takes over a program that had done essentially nothing for many, many years at, at Mandarin and Jacksonville as a junior, and uh, takes them to a state title and played huge in the playoffs. Just went on a tear. Uh, and then this year he lost a lot of talent offensively, struggled to start the year, uh, but then he really came back, showed some mental fortitude, and had a huge end of the year. So uh, this guy is a winner too. So I, I think he's going to be a heck of a competition. I'm not. I think Vanegar is going to be outstanding, but I think I think Beck has a chance to be really, really good as well. Beck's a little taller, a little a little uh, thinner. Uh, a little bit of a different frame, but you're right. Beck can also move as well. I would say Vandegrift might be a slightly, maybe a little bit more of a better athlete, but not. there's not much separation there because Beck can also move as well. But I do think Vandegrift um, has been, is going to have played a little bit more by the time he comes out of high school and is going to be uh, maybe a little bit more polished, I would say, coming out. But I don't think, I really don't, I'm not sure there's a massive gap there. I, I don't. I think both guys are really talented and I think it's going to be a heck of a competition. I would, I guess if I had to handicap it, I would, I mean, God, it's so far away. I mean, guy is still in high school, uh, still a junior in high school technically right now. But I, I might lean a little bit towards Vandegrift right now because he's going to have a little more experience as a quarterback, uh, a little bit more polished, all those things. But uh, it would certainly not surprise me come 2021 that Carson Beck wins that job. It wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, but it'll be a great competition there. I think they'll certainly push each other, and, and we'll have a lot of fun watching how that plays out. But uh, all right, let's move on to some other recruiting developments. I've thought about the quarterback position. But there's other things going on as well. On Monday, we officially offered a guy that a lot of you might not have ever heard of. Uh, he's a 2020 North Murray athlete. His name's Lad McConkie. Uh, we offered him just a few short weeks here before signing day. He projects as a wide receiver at the next level. Curtis, here's the thing. We have we currently have 21 committed prospects. We have 19 that have already signed with, uh, with one of those uh, being kicker Jared Zirkel, who's – I haven't heard this confirmed, but it's likely going to end up being a blue shirt candidate, but that's the word. Uh, so that brings the number down to 18 that are either uh, currently committed or uh, are already signed. And two of those are unsigned prospects. They are offensive lineman Broderick Jones and Cedric Van Pran. Those are the two guys that are currently committed but haven't signed yet. So that puts us at 20 prospects that we have either signed or we currently have committed in this class. Now, this is where things get wonky. There's supposed to be a hard 25-player cap to all signing classes. 
But the transfer portal and the chaos it has wrought on rosters across the country, that has made a, a loosening of the scholarship number restrictions uh, an imminent likelihood, to say the least. So many teams kind of anticipating that loosening of those restrictions so they can more adequately restock their rosters after the transfer portal hits, they're pushing right up to, and in some cases beyond that 25 scholarship limit. But still based on the current rules as they're currently constituted after taking two grad transfers last year that count forward to this year's class, we should only be allowed to take 23 new initial counters, which if we already have 20 prospects that are either signed or committed, that would leave us with three spots left in this class. I know it's a lot of numbers, but right now let's just say we got, based on the current rules, if they stick how they are, the NCAA actually enforces the rules, which who knows if they will or not. But right now I'd say it's likely we have three spots left in this class. So Curtis, with spots being pretty tight right now, what is your assessment of this offer to Lad McConkey? What do you make of that? Um, to me, I think it's a Monken uh, offer. I think he sees that we need, you know, people that can get open and get in space. And I think this guy kind of fits that role. Um, he, to me, he runs. I mean, he he could use some help on polishing his route running, but you can't deny this guy's explosiveness. And um, he's got a he's a dynamic size. Yeah, he's got a very. I think he's got a decent sized body with in the length wise and things like that. I think he could be a very nasty uh, slot receiver, and I just um, I think that he's just. Do you think he's one of the? I mean, it's. Yeah, I think it helps that we were one of the first offers, but or the big time offers. Big but offers, but you're yeah. noticing he, he he's a uh, he's starting to get a lot of attention from especially the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, for a while it was, it was teams like Army and then teams in the group of yeah, five. Yeah, if you looked at his stuff, I mean, we were in contact with him and things, but the only schools that really offered, like you said, were Army and things like that. Um, but I thought it was interesting that once Monken comes in, um, Immediately. The, I think I believe he visited this past weekend, um, but right. all of a sudden there was an uh, offer on the table. So I think that his game film had was, something was there that we liked. Yeah, I, I love this guy. Uh, I, I really do. I, I He's the kind of guy that I've – I've mentioned how much I think slot receivers can bring to an offense if you use them correctly. A, a, a guy that truly fits that profile. A guy like Isaiah McKenzie. I don't think Miko kind of fit that profile as much. I don't think – Miko was extraordinarily fast. I don't think he was as dynamic as a short area kind of guy. He, he At least not like, compared to a guy like Isaiah McKenzie. I thought McKenzie fit that really, really well for us. He's the closest we've had to that in a long time. But I think he's a true slot wide receiver. You're right about the polish because he plays a lot of quarterback in high school. Because you, you know at some of these schools, you take the best athlete on your team, you put him at quarterback, and just let the guy run around and do things. Now, he does. He, he, there is some tape in playing a little bit of receiver, uh, and he looks solid there. But he's a guy that just runs around and just makes crazy things happen at quarterback. He is a dynamic athlete. Uh, he's been clocked in the, in the mid 4-5 range, like a 4-1-6 uh, 20-yard shuttle. So he's got elite, what I would say for that level, for that age, elite short area quickness, which is what you need in a slot receiver. We have a lot of guys that are their body type is like a slot receiver, like D-Rob and uh, Dominic Blaylock, Kyrus Jackson. And those guys all have certain things they bring to the table, but none of them are like what I would consider in terms of like their ability to create separation in a short area with that short area quickness they don't have that quick twitch d rob is really really fast on a straight line he doesn't have the quick twitch uh blaylock has a little bit more quick twitch than d rob but not like mcconkey and, and karis jackson is a is again fast in a straight line he's got, he's got some physicality to his game but he doesn't have that quick twitch quick twitch in a short area 
McConkie has that in spades. He's the kind of guy, and I don't want to call him Julian Edelman, but that's a comparison, right, Kurt? That kind of guy, smaller yeah. slot receiver that can just absolutely be a nightmare in space because you get him one-on-one, you're in a little whip route, a little option route, and you simply can't defend him with one guy because the guy's not going to be right. You just option him off the leverage of the defender, and you can't be right. And you get him in space, he's going to make things happen. I love him because of that. Now, he's small. He's six foot 175, but you're right. Even though he's six foot 175, he's got pretty good length. Like, you know, his arms are, are, are pretty long for a guy that size, with more, more so than what you would typically see from a guy with, with that physical profile. And here's what I would say about McConkie. He's the kind of guy that if we, if we didn't offer him and didn't end up landing him, he would go to a smaller school. He'd go to – Oh, I don't know. He'd go to Vanderbilt. He'd go to, he would go to, I don't know, let's say Houston or some school like that in a group of five. And he would just tear it the hell up. Right. And everyone would be saying, how did Georgia let this guy get out of state? Why weren't we recruiting him? You know what I'm saying? Like those kind of guys, like, how did we not get this guy? How did we not recruit him? I think that's what McConkie would be, a, a three-star prospect that no one's really talked much about, hasn't been heavily recruited, but had a big senior year. And you watch the guy play, and you're like, that dude can make plays. I'm not saying he's going to be our number one receiver, but you put him in, in, in the formation with a guy like George Pickens, that's a perfect compliment to a guy like George Pickens. Because that guy, if he, if he gets one-on-one coverage, you've got to pay so much attention to George Pickens. If he gets one-on-one coverage in the slot, he's going to make teams pay. He's going to make teams play, and he can. It's kind of guy that can keep the chains moving. Again, like I just, I, I watch like this is the kind of guy that's going to end up going to. He, these guys end up going to smaller schools because they're under recruited and they blow up, have huge careers, and everyone's wondering how did Georgia let this guy get away? So I would say don't let this guy get away. I think he's a hundred percent worth an offer. And and look, he's I, I know he, he grew up a Tennessee fan, I believe. But uh, and Tennessee has not offered yet. He's there's a potential he might take a visit up there this weekend. They might offer, so that might change things. But, man, I'm glad we offered him. I'm glad we got in on this. And I think especially in the kind of offense that, that Todd Munkin is going to be bringing from the NFL where slot receivers are being used more proficiently at that level, I think he could be a player for us. I really, I really do believe that, even though he might not be as highly rated as some of these other guys that we're bringing in. And we do have another hot-button topic to talk about here in just a second. But before we do, I want to remind you guys that this show is sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. You get thorough, in-depth coverage from local writers like Seth Emerson on every single team. He does an incredible job covering the University of Georgia. He covers the beat here. Uh, plus, you get national writers, too, that you already know, guys like Jay Glazer, Mike Sando, Michael Lombardi on the college football front. You've got Bruce Feldman. You've got Stuart Mandel. You've got Andy Staples, who for my money is one of the best national writers out there when it comes to college football. And I actually was reading uh, one of his Dear Andy articles, which uh, was basically a mailbag. And he was talking, basically answering a question where somebody had asked him, other than Clemson, Alabama, what program would you want to be right now? And I think Georgia fans might be interested in what he had to hear on that. So check that out. It's a lot of great stuff on The Athletic. And I really love the personalized nature of their coverage. Each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories. You get live writer Q&As for your team and, and so much more. All you have to do is download the athletic app pick your favorite teams and the athletic will begin servicing all the latest on the players and storylines that matter to you so if you're ready to get started all you have to do is go to the athletic.com slash overtime to get 40 percent off a yearly subscription right now that's the athletic.com slash overtime uh all right uh moving on a little bit here obviously i know some of you probably been waiting on this talking about recruiting I simply cannot ignore the elephant in the room, not any longer. I'm sure most of you have already heard the rumblings, but there has been even more smoke. If you haven't heard them at all, there's been more smoke this week that we are still a major contender to end up landing number one running back, Zach 
Edmonds, which he already landed once, had to live with a letter of intent, let him out of the letter of intent. He's now been searching around, and uh, uh, there's a lot of rumors out there. Let's just say that. And, and sure, rumors are what they are and obviously need to be viewed with a very, very healthy dose of skepticism. And they've been fine every which way these rumors have. He, they, they, we've heard he may have visited Ole Miss last weekend. Uh, Ford now maybe in the picture. Maybe he was an official visit down to Gainesville. Uh, maybe A and M gave him gave him a deadline, and they were going to go another direction if if he didn't commit at a certain time. All these rumors are floating around. But now it's not just rumors. Some reputable recruiting writers are also reporting that we are still very much in the picture, and some are even even saying that he will be visiting Athens potentially on the final weekend. So, Kurt, I don't know what to make of this, man. Where are you with the Zach Evans recruitment right now? Um, I'm just not getting my hopes up. I mean, I still think it'd be nice to land him. I think he could do a lot for our offense if we were able to get him and get him in here. Um, but I think this guy definitely has some demons that he needs to exercise. So I just want to see this guy, you know, get himself in a right, you know, right frame of mind um, before we take his commitment. I think that I don't even know if he'll be done in February they go all the way to June to when he enrolls but either way I think that I think he'll be a good player uh but I definitely think he needs to fix a few things once again before I think that we take him but I definitely think it says something because it seems like some schools have been giving him ultimatums and um he canceled a visit to Florida um so I, you just don't know have you I really, don't want him in the, the have you heard that he's officially canceled that visit? I've heard rumors that he's canceled. Has he officially canceled yeah, it? Yeah, he put it on his social media. I yeah, did. I did I, I did see that. Are we calling that a fit with him? You just never know. I did see that today. Uh, man, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know, man. Would you take him if he comes and he says, All right, I want to be a Georgia Bulldog? You take him? Um especially if he's getting up somewhere in the east. I take him. I still take him because like I've like I've said all along. Worst case scenario, even if he's a problem when he comes in here, you just kick him off the team. He's gone. All right, I know you waste a spot. I get that, and scholarships are valuable, but you kick him off the team and you go from there. But I think this is a guy. I, and I've said this before. I don't know if he's a bad kid. Like I, I hate that term. Like I think kids are victims of their. Or we're all a product of the, of the circumstances in which we grow up and our experiences. And this kid's had a, had a tough background from all accounts. And he's got some. And, I, and he's got a lot of people in his entourage. I think. Uh, and, I, and look, these are rumors. I don't know this for sure. Uh, but there have been some Texas A&M beat writers uh, that cover recruiting for them that have said that you know, he's got some baggage with some of the, the people around him, a brother and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I don't know how it's, if, it's, if it's all him or if it's it's some of that. Some of that. But I know his mother, from what I understand, wants him to get out of Texas to get out, get away from some of these influences. And I think that could be a good thing for him. So, uh, look, I don't want to give up the kid. Uh, I want to give every kid a chance. And I, I think um, if he wants to commit, he's that good that you got that you take a flight, that you take a chance on him. I really believe. That. And you're right. If it's going to be either we take him or ends up at Tennessee or Florida, you take him, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you take this guy. And I know he there's a chance he could be a locker room cancer. That's possible. But I think that's a chance you're willing to take with a lot of the, the support we have around with guys like Jonas Jennings, all those kind of guys, Brian Gann. I think those guys can certainly be a positive. Fernando Velasco, the kind of, those kind of guys that that have done a really good job uh, of being there for a lot of our players. And Kirby does a really good job of that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, if you had to handicap it, like, do you think we do you think we end up with him when it's all said? And this is probably not going to be even set on signing day because he. I don't think he can sign. I'm pretty sure he cannot sign another letter of intent. I, I know he can't sign with another team. He might be able to sign another one with us. I don't know about that, but we're probably like, I think one day we'll just wake up and he'll make an announcement, but we won't know for sure if he actually is going to go through that until he grabs in June. Right. Yeah. Do you think um, if you had to put a, put a number, like a percentage on, I hate percentages, but if you had to, what's the, what do you think the chances are that we end up landing him when it's all said and done? 
maybe 50. The reason I go so high is because he still hasn't picked another school. Um, so it's obvious yeah. there's still a draw here. Sure. Um, so the fact that he hasn't gone somewhere else definitely has to yeah. mean something. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So I think 50%. Yeah, I think 50-50. Because it's hard to go much higher than 50-50 with, with how this has played out and how it's moved in so many different directions. It's just crazy. But I, I certainly think the door is very much open. And there's a very uh, there's a there's a strong possibility that we were very we could we could end up with him again, which um, I, I would certainly be in favor of. I, I say take the kid. All right, Kurt. Last thing before we get out of here. So again, we got three spots. You mentioned you know, there's a 50 50 shot we get Zach Evans, but look at those last three spots. How do you think we will fill those final three spots? Um, you know I really don't know. You haven't heard a lot on the defenses side of the ball, so I'm not. I'm I'm very confused unless they want to keep it open to see if someone transfers after uh, spring ball or something. Yeah, but I really just I mean it looks like we're looking for another playmaker and maybe and definitely a running back. But outside of that, I don't know where else we go. Yeah, I think we want to bring in another DB from what if you look at some of the offers we've thrown out in the past couple of weeks. Ennis Rakestraw is a guy we threw out an offer to um, a couple of weeks ago, and he's been not. There's a lot of teams that are going to him right now. I think Alabama's after him, Texas is after him. So he's, he's kind of kind of like McConkie's blown up of late. Uh, I don't know if I don't know how close we are to landing him, but I know we're going after him. A guy, a name that's popped up recently is Charles Bell the sixth uh, out of Texas. Another guy that's going to project. I think is more of a safety, but uh, somewhere in the defensive backfield more than likely. Uh, kind of an athlete, but I think he projects in the in the secondary. So I, I think we're trying to fill one of those spots with a DB. I don't know who it's going to end up being, um, but because the information has been kind of tight there. But I think it's probably going to be a DB there. I think we're going to take another running back. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. But if, if it's not Zach Evans, Dejan Edwards from Colquitt County. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of those two guys probably ends up with one of those scholarships. And then I think if McConkie wants in, I think McConkie's that guy. And if, if McConkie doesn't want in, then I think you take, we'll probably take the best available prospect, whoever it is out there. But, yeah, so if I had to, if I had to handicap it right now a couple weeks from signing day, I would say a DB, maybe Rake Straw, maybe Charles Bell, a running back, uh, Zach Evans or Dejan Edwards from Colquitt County, and then McConkie or, or best available prospect. So we'll see how who that ends up being. We'll certainly have you guys cover. We'll cover that more in depth as we get a little closer to signing day, which kind of want to give you guys uh, a, an update on where things stand with some of these big time prospects as we try to close out the 2020 class and head into the 2021 class with the major commitment of five-star quarterback, number one quarterback in the country, Brock Vandegrift. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. Again, if you get a chance, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you would uh, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts if you have not done so already. And a huge, huge thank you again for everyone who's already done that. We, we love you guys. We really do appreciate that. It, it sincerely helps us out. But uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs.